Welcome to the brand new Patriots and Pinstripes podcast, the official podcast of the New York Yankees AA affiliate Somerset Patriots. And the Patriots have won it! Somerset! My name is Mark Schwartz. On this show, I'll cover all things Somerset Patriots and New York Yankees, from the organizational structure all the way down to the prospects, the AA Northeast League, and everything in between. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Brandon Pelter with Mark Schwartz. We're talking all things Somerset Patriots, the AA affiliate of the New York Yankees. And Mark, welcome back, partner on the road for two weeks. It's good to finally see you face to face once again. Yeah, no, it's nice to be home. Nice to be back at TD Bank Ballpark. We're recording today's podcast in the press box here. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's good to be home. It was nice to be on the road for the first time this season. But, uh, you know, we have a big series upcoming here against the Erie Seawolves starting tonight. So uh, I'm geared up and ready for that. We'll get to all of that first, though. We uh, will certainly hit on this uh, previous series against the Harrisburg Senators. The Patriots took four of six in total across the two-week stretch. Somerset won eight of 12 games. It was pretty successful uh, starting in Portland and finishing in Harrisburg. In general, hitting the road, Mark, how fun was it? You know, it's uh, going back on the road. It's something that we unfortunately weren't able to have for the first month of the season. Uh, but there's, it's nice to get around and see some of these different ballparks. Of course, we're in our first year as a uh, AA affiliate, which means that there's a bunch of new teams and a bunch of new ballparks. So to travel around the league a little bit, and uh, we'll continue to travel through the rest of the season, see some of these new places. It's uh, it's nice. It's just it's a change of scenery. It's a little different, but it's nice to see the home ballparks for some of these new teams. And also for the Patriots, I mean, they did not skip a beat on the road. That Portland series was really important, took four of six, and then Harrisburg, an opponent that they uh, dealt with pretty handily to begin the season, saw a lot of success again this past week, taking four of those six games as well. Well, you mentioned that already. I mean, eight of 12 on this road trip for the Patriots. Portland was a big series, and it was important going into Harrisburg to not look at that as a, a potential trap series. I don't know if we could really say that there are trap series, but you know the Patriots are now gearing up for this uh, six-game homestand against the Erie Seawolves. There was an announcement of how the playoff formatting is going to take place in the AA Northeast League uh, during this past week, so there's a little bit more clarity on that. Harrisburg, a team, at least record-wise right now, they have turned the corner and they've been playing better baseball as of late, uh, but their record's still not quite in that playoff contention. But for Somerset, they certainly are, so it was important to handle business in Harrisburg against a team that pitches really well, and pitching could always be a great equalizer. I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, so it was important to play that series well, get out of the road trip, come back home in a good space, and then uh, and get ready for this upcoming series. Well, we've got plenty to break down here on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast, so let's get right to it, talking all things Patriots against the Harrisburg Senators. Who wants to play baseball? Let's go! Yes, sir! Well, Mark, we've already mentioned it a number of times. Somerset took four of six against Harrisburg. To open the season, the Patriots saw these same uh, Senators here at TD Bank Ballpark. They took five of six in that series. So Somerset has had a lot of success against Harrisburg. In general, when we look at uh, back at this series, it really, surprise, surprise, was the pitching that stood out to me. Glenn Otto dazzling, Luis Medina getting a, a really solid start in on Sunday, Blank. 
flanking Harrisburg in uh, back-to-back appearances between Otto uh, and Medina, but the pitching really seemed like it kind of took control of the series. Oh, it certainly did, and I think Glenn Otto is a good place to start. His uh, start, what was it, Saturday night, a, a 10-0 win for the Patriots, seven shutout innings for Otto, just one hit, no walks, uh, 12 strikeouts, two off of a career high. At one point, he retired 20 in a row. The only base runner to reach over the first six and two-thirds innings was the leadoff man in the bottom of the first, Kyle Marincons, who was hit by a pitch. After that, Otto retired 20 in a row, and it wasn't until K.J. Harrison had a two-out double uh, in the bottom of the seventh inning that broke up Glenn Otto's no-hit bid. It was such an impressive performance from him. Uh, there was one point where he worked nine straight batters, struck out seven of them, on 29 pitches. Daniel Moscos, the uh, Patriots pitching coach, tweeted that out after the game. That is ridiculous. It was not only that Otto was striking out batters, he was doing it with such efficiency. Brandon, we've talked about uh, earlier in the season when we've seen teams play well against Otto, they swing early in the count, they attack him early. And consistently, Harrisburg was letting, you know, they were falling behind 0 1. They were falling behind 0 2. And when you find yourself consistently, in that spot, you are not setting yourself up for success. Otto picked them apart. Now, granted, Harrisburg, a couple of uh, new players on their roster for this week getting called up from High A Wilmington, like Kyle Marincons, Jake Alou, Gabe, uh, Gage Canning, Gilbert Lara as well. Uh, so there were some new guys that were going up against Otto for the first time. Uh, but they did not have the right approach against them. And for Glenn, you know, maybe one of his, uh, the most impressive outing of the season, and I say maybe because he struck out 14 batters a pair of times in addition to this uh, seven-inning gem that he uh, put forth. But I think it came at a good time because, you know, the month of June, I don't want to say it was bad for Glenn. I mean, he went 2-2, two and two, but he did have a 4.06 ERA. His last outing against Portland uh, before facing the Senators allowed five runs on seven hits. I mean, there was a little bit of uh, what seemed like a drop-off in performance and maybe just a matter of, of just trying to work too fine. We've heard him talk about that before. Yeah, it certainly can be the case. I mean, but what he showed against Harrisburg is that when he's able to just settle in really find himself a rhythm and get ahead of batters early in the count. He's got a fastball that has a surprising amount of life on it. He's got a nice curveball that he could spike, uh, works as kind of a hammer curveball. And uh, he just works with a lot of confidence once he gets going. He's like a uh, he's like a snowball rolling down the hill, just gains momentum as he goes further and further into the ballgame, gains confidence. And uh, once he got going against Harrisburg, you know, he, the Senators didn't really have a chance what I found interesting uh, for that game, look at all of those big-time performances from Glad Otto this year. The 14-strikeout performance against Hartford, the 14-strikeout performance against Richmond, and this performance against Harrisburg. One of the common denominators in all of those games is an insane amount of run support that Otto has gotten. It was an 11-1 win against Hartford. Mm -hmm. It was a 10-0 win against Richmond. And then a 10-0 win here against Harrisburg. Uh, I don't... I mean, I think that's just a coincidence. But it, it certainly is interesting that some of his best games have come in games where he's been so comfortably ahead. Or I, I think that maybe from a pitching mindset, he doesn't have to worry about being so pinpoint and really working around guys. He's just attacking them. And when he's attacking them, and especially in this case with Harrisburg, and they're taking pitches early. 
they fall behind, and uh, you're right in Otto's wheelhouse when that happens. Yeah, and, and his performance this past week was uh, enough for his uh, second AA Northeast League Pitcher of the Week honor. Certainly very deserving. Uh, another guy who had uh, a really strong outing his second time against the Senators, that was Luis Medina. His first time was a bit of a struggle. Only went four innings, giving up three earned runs, four in total, on just three hits, but the walks were up. Four walks. That was to start the series in the first game of a doubleheader on Wednesday. But then on Sunday, really strong comeback in his second time facing this team. Just his fourth start with the Patriots went five innings of no run, four hit baseball. What did you see from him? Well, the fastball was popping. He was consistently at 98, 99 with that fastball, including getting deeper into the ballgame. He struck out the side in his last inning in the fifth, and his pitch count was never incredibly efficient. He finished with 90 pitches over five innings of work, but even in that fifth inning, third time through the order, the fastball was still 97, 98, 99. Sometimes it rides a little high in the zone, and when he really starts struggling with his command, it's the fastball that he's not able to locate. It kind of misses up and away to left-handed batters, up and into right-handed batters. I mean, he's a power-throwing righty, so when the release point is a little off, that ball has a tendency of riding sort of up and away to those left-handed bats. He was able to get on top of his pitches on Sunday, had that downward movement on the fastball, and uh, saw a decent amount of the curve, uh, the changeup, rather. It was mostly curve as the secondary pitch, and he was able to locate that as well. But for Medina, if he's able to locate that fastball, I mean, there was a number of times where he would get ahead 0-1-0-2, and then as a batter... Okay, you got to be ready for that 98 mile per hour heater. He also has a 70 curveball rated on an 80 scale from Baseball America. He's got a 60 changeup. So, how do you prepare for that when you fall behind? I mean, if he's able to locate his pitches early, which he was able to do against these Harrisburg batters, he didn't allow a walk until the third inning. It was the only walk that he allowed uh, over his five innings. If he's not struggling with his command, his stuff is so pure. And uh, he was just able to get in front of batters on Sunday and. For the Patriots, if you're able to have Luis Medina throw up that kind of performance, I mean, he initiated what was the second of back-to-back shutout wins for the Patriots. At the end of Sunday, Somerset had has now, entering today, tossed 20 consecutive innings without allowing a run. It's the longest scoreless inning streak for the Patriots this season. It's 14 consecutive innings for the bullpen without allowing a run as well, which we'll get to it a little bit later. That is also a season high. And for this Patriots team as a whole, they are now the only team among full-season minor league affiliates that has a sub-3 ERA. I mean, you mentioned pitching. We talk about it all the time, but it remains the story of this team. There's situational hitting that have worked out well, but uh, the pitching has been so dominant. Now, granted, Harrisburg's lineup struggling, and they have a number of players that just came up from high A, Wilmington, so adjusting to the double-A level. Uh, but there's still some bats in that lineup. Aldrum Corridor has put together a good season. K.J. Harrison has had some success. Uh, the Patriots were going up against a former Patriot and Ramon Flores that series, which was interesting to watch. Uh, Flores, unfortunately, has really struggled so far this year across double-A and triple-A. Uh, so there's some players on this Harrisburg team, uh, but the Patriots... After struggling in the first game of the season, uh, first game of the week, I should say, Tuesday night, uh, really settled down. They got to some strong arms. Um, Wesneski had a, had a tough outing, but after that, I mean, Otto, the the piggyback of Jansen Junk and J.P. Sears in one of those doubleheader games, uh, Otto on Saturday, 
and Medina on Sunday. I mean, they just uh, they cruised their way through that Senators lineup. Last thing I want to hit on in Luis Medina, this was his 11th start of the season across high Hudson Valley and Double A Somerset. First time all year that he's allowed less than two walks in an outing. So command is really the key for him. We've kind of said that from the start, but uh, as we saw on Sunday when he's got control, boy, he can really uh, work some wonders and We'll see him uh, potentially in action later this week in the um, All-Star Futures game. He was uh, one of two Yankees selected uh, to participate in that game. We'll hit on that a little bit more later in the podcast, but pretty exciting to see a Somerset Patriot uh, representing at Coors Field uh, a little later this week. Yeah, it's uh, it's thrilling, and I, I kind of wish, I don't think this was ever the case with the Futures game, but in old uh, Major League Baseball All-Star games, the players would wear their home or road mm-hmm. uniform representing their team. Mm-hmm. And they got away with it this year with jerseys that look pretty hideous, if I'm being frank. I hear you. Uh, they're, they're not very good looking. <laughs> uh, but it would be cool if the Futures game had it so the players were wearing the jersey of the team that they play for. Uh, so you could see Somerset Patriots on a national scale like that. But uh, for Luis Medina, I mean, the stuff speaks for itself, and, and he's certainly deserving of this opportunity with the Futures game. Well, I think uh, before we move on from the pitching, you mentioned the bullpen, so I'll give you a chance to uh, talk about that there. But just kind of looking over some of the numbers, Michael Gomez, two scoreless innings of work. Ron Marinaccio, four scoreless innings and, and just a hit. Uh, he looked really good, saw Steven Ridings uh, pitch in uh, extra innings to uh, move on the Patriots into a position for a win in one of those games against Harrisburg. Really impressive all around. Yeah, I mean, I think we should start with Steven Ridings because, I mean, how good has this guy been this mm-hmm. year? He's 4-0 now with an 0.47 ERA across 14 appearances, 30 strikeouts, only two walks over 19 innings. And when he came into the game, that was in the extra inning ball game for the Patriots on Thursday night against Harrisburg back on July 1st. And it was a game where the Patriots and the Senators were tied going into the eighth inning. It was supposed to be a doubleheader, so it was supposed to be a seven-inning game. And then going into the eighth, it was Ridings on the mound. Uh, The first inning of extras, bottom of the eighth, the game was still tied. He allows uh, a leadoff infield single. He hits another batter with a pitch. The bases are loaded with nobody out. Strikeout, strikeout, fly out. And the Patriots take the lead in the ninth Bottom of the ninth inning, again, a scoreless frame. He has been brilliant in general, but his last two appearances, both coming on the road, very similar performances against Portland. He came in in the bottom of the eighth inning in a tied ball game, kept two runners on base, worked a scoreless ninth, and then a scoreless tenth inning as well. Uh, So he's been not only excelling in general, but excelling in really high leverage situations. And for a guy making his first season appearance, at the double-A level, uh, it, he's been tremendous. He's been such a rock at the back of this bullpen, especially since Greg Weissert was transferred up to triple-A Scranton-Wilkes-Barre. So, so Ridings only appearing in uh, one game this week really stood out. Ron Marinaccio continues to perform well for the Patriots. His ERA is down to 2.16. He got his second save of the season with uh, two scoreless innings of relief. Um, on Sunday, we saw Jansen Junk toss three innings of re- scoreless relief. Kevin Gadea got in. Michael Gomez, you mentioned a couple of innings. Addison Russ hasn't allowed a run yet in his time with the Patriots. Everything seems to be clicking. I mean, it gets to the point now where we'll see how long this group of relievers stay together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you have 
the starting pitching, the way it's pitched all season long, and these relievers coming in and closing the door late in ball games. I mean, that's a recipe recipe for success. Well, that's that's kind of what I wanted to mention is how long you know can some of these guys stay here at Double A before climbing that ladder? You look at a guy like Ridings, who's allowed what an earned run in just one appearance this season. He's been phenomenal and a great story all around for any of our listeners that are unfamiliar with him. He uh, was drafted out of Haverford College in the eighth round to the Cubs. Was in their organization for two years, then went over, played a season at uh, rookie ball with Kansas City in 2019. And then he was cut. So he was working out the fastball sitting 92-94, and uh, as he worked out in the 2020 year, really unbeknownst to him, his fastball climbed up to the high 90s, uh, and he has just been spectacular all season long. But, you know, he joins Jansen Junk, who's been so good. Glenn Otto, as we've talked about, so many good pitchers. The Yankees need to make some space, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've already seen, what, three pitchers get transferred up to mm-hmm. AAA Scranton Wilkesbury in Luis Heal, Matt Crook, and Greg Weissert. And, you know, we're getting close to that time where that second wave of Patriots pitchers could start making their way up there. I mean, you know, I, I love to see a guy like Ridings get an opportunity because, you know, anytime you're 6'8 and you could throw 100 miles per hour, you're going to get chances. But he's converted those chances with the Patriots into a string of very successful appearances. So he's certainly deserving of a chance. I mean, you look at Jansen Junk's ERA standing at 1.00 on the year. That's the lowest qualified earned run average. Glenn Otto has been a strikeout machine. I mean, there's a lot of good high ceiling pitching depth in this Yankees organization. And I think, you know, they brought up Heel, they brought up Crook, and neither of them have had a tremendous amount of success so far Mm -hmm. at the AAA level. So they're going to still get their looks. And it's a numbers game, right? I mean, there's only so many spots. You have Davey Garcia that's still pitching in AAA Scranton as well. Right. Uh, you, you have guys that have been at that AAA level. Albert Abreu keeps on bouncing back and forth. So you want to make sure if you call somebody up that they're going to get opportunities. And if the opportunities aren't quite there, then you know they stay in the AA level and have those opportunities here. And, and when they've had them, they've, I mean, across the board, there, are, there aren't many pitchers that have worn a Patriots jersey this season, honestly, that have struggled. Mm-hmm. Now, how about the bats this past week? Who really stood out to you? I saw Jason Lopez reach base a couple times and uh, had a, a pretty successful couple games that he played against the Senators. Yeah, Jason Lopez had one game where he reached base in uh, all three of his appearances, uh, all three of his plate appearances. He had the game-winning RBI single in uh, that extra inning ball game we were just talking about Thursday night. So certainly a good showing for Jason Lopez. Of course, I could talk about Diego Castillo. He was named the uh, player of the month for June. Jansen mm-hmm. Junk, of course, the pitcher of the month for June as well. Uh, but I'm going to steer clear of Castillo because we've talked a lot about him. Oswald Peraza gets a lot of notoriety. He reached base uh, safely in uh, three plate appearances in each of his last two games. Uh, one name that I think has really jumped off as of late to me, Isaiah Gilliam. He had his second home run of the season on Sunday. Uh, he There was one game where he didn't reach base, and it was after coming in as a pinch hitter. I believe it was Friday night, and that broke up his uh, on-base streak. But I believe now he's reached base safely. If my numbers are right, in 13 of his last 14 games, he's raised his batting average considerably. In the last game for the Patriots, he hit his eighth home run of the season. So he consistently bats, what, eighth or ninth in the order for the Patriots. And we've always seen a long swing from him. And... He has connected a couple of times 
for a good amount of power, but the average hasn't been there consistently. The strikeouts have been a little bit up, uh, but he's been getting on base. He's been drawing walks. He had a number of good games against Harrisburg, and you know there's always this battle for that last outfield spot on this Patriots roster with Michael Beltre and Thomas Malone, pretty much everyday players. And Isaiah Gilliam certainly trying to put his name on that last spot, considering Matt Pita uh, has been out for the last couple of games. He's day-to-day. Aaron Polensky, who had a terrific start to his professional career back in mid-May, has tapered off a little bit as well. So Isaiah Gilliam providing some pop and getting on base at the bottom of the Patriots order really stood out to me this week. All told for Somerset, a really successful road trip. They took 8 of 12 games, winning 4 against Portland, 4 against the Harrisburg Senators. But next, we turn to the series ahead of us. That's against the Erie Seawolves. They've got some pretty good names. We'll get to it next on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Discover the future you at Centenary University. Visit an upcoming virtual information session to learn more about flexible degree or certificate programs online or in person through Centenary Choice. Centenary offers small class sizes, individualized attention, thousands of dollars in scholarships, classes just for returning adults, and new programs including public health, computer science, supply chain management, and certified financial planning. Learn more about how you can earn your degree on your busy schedule. Centenary University. Discover the future you. At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. Somerset Patriots hosting the Erie Seawolves at TD Bank Ballpark in Bridgewater for six games. And Mark, this Erie team maybe has the most potential major leaguers in the AA Northeast League. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but they have some studs. Spencer Torkelson, one of the top prospects in all of baseball. Riley Green is right on his heels as well. Dylan Dingler is uh, up with uh, with Erie now. In addition, they have some big bats. Yeah, they certainly do. I mean, look, three of the top four prospects in the Tigers organization, a very well thought of minor league system, are on this Erie Seawolves squad. Torkelson, according to Baseball America, is the number five prospect in baseball. Riley Green, according to Baseball America, the number nine overall prospect in baseball. That's not just in the Tigers. That's overall prospects. Uh, Dylan Dingler is a top 100 prospect. Uh, He's a power-hitting catcher. I mean, those are three of the top four guys in the Tigers um, system. And then in addition to that, still a couple of other top 30 prospects. Ryan Kreidler, number 21 prospect. Andre Lipsius, number 26 prospect. Then there's uh, John Valenti, who is not a top 30 prospect, but he played extremely well against the Patriots the first time these two teams played against each other. Uh, So this is a dangerous lineup, and it's sort of power versus power that we're going to be looking at this week. It's the strength of the Patriots pitching staff versus the strength of this Erie Seawolves lineup. Now, I will say that they haven't torn the cover off the ball just yet. 
They were no hit a couple of days ago by the Reading Fighting Phils, mm-hmm. uh, led by Francisco Morales, who's yep. a top prospect in the Phillies organization, but had an ERA above 11 for most of this season. Uh, so they haven't quite fully clicked just yet, but just the names and the potential on this lineup is uh, it's something seriously to watch. They had won four straight games against the Akron Rubber Ducks coming into this series against Reading and the Fight and Fills, a team that have really struggled all throughout this season, but then they dropped four of six against Reading. And, and this is a Reading team that, uh, in terms of pitching, that's been probably some of their biggest difficulties. Yeah, it, it certainly has been. It was it was quite surprising, to put it bluntly, to see that Reading had thrown a no-hitter in Erie against the Seawolves. But, you know, every every once in a while, a team runs into a hot start. They got Francisco Morales, who we know has a lot of potential, and he had his best start of the season. Six shutout innings, and then they had a couple of relievers finish off the job. But looking at some of the numbers for this Seawolves squad, I mean, we could zero in on Spencer Torkelson. He was the number one overall draft pick back in 2020 uh, by the Detroit Tigers. He is a big-time prospect, a lot of power. He started off the season with high A uh, West Michigan, uh, hit five home runs, 28 RBI, uh, batted 312 with them. But over 17 games so far with Erie, he does have five home runs, so the power has been there. Mm-hmm. 267 batting average, um, probably a bit lower than he would like, but again, he's adjusting to a brand new level. Riley Green's batting average is at 284 with nine home runs, 29 runs batted in. Dylan Dingler, we know he's got a lot of pop so far this season at the double A level. Uh, he's hitting 279, only one home run, 11 RBI. Uh, so they haven't fully clicked to their full potential, but you know it could happen at any point. It's like a dormant volcano. You're just waiting for that moment where these bats erupt, and uh, we'll see if it happens this week. Yeah, we're certainly not hoping they erupt this week. Give yeah. them six <laughs> more days, and then they can light things up. And uh, both Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson will join Luis Medina at that uh, All-Star Futures game later in uh, the week. I believe that's on the 11th. Uh, yeah. So coming up later this series. Oh, that's a. I wonder how long they're actually going to be here then, because they're not going to play here on Sunday, of course. Right. And the futures game is over in Denver, mm-hmm. so you're going to have to account for at least one day of travel. So mm-hmm. I'd imagine uh, chances are they're probably not playing Saturday and Sunday. Friday could be their last day, uh, which is significant, Brandon, because when you look at the greater scope of this series, and you know we mentioned briefly earlier in the podcast about the new playoff structure. It's the top two teams with the best overall record in the AA Northeast League, regardless of division. So the Somerset Patriots right now, they have the best overall record. They're three and a half games better uh, than the Erie Seawolves, or the Bowie Bay Sox, I believe, are in first place in the Southwest Division by a half game now. Uh, But Erie's right there in that conversation. You got to be one of the top two teams, and the Patriots and the Seawolves have already played six games against each other. Mm -hmm. Erie took four of those six. So when you're looking at the grand scheme of things, towards the end of the year, tiebreaker, number one tiebreaker is head-to-head. Right. So this is a very important series with playoff implications. Absolutely, yeah. You kind of read my mind. That's where uh, you know I was hoping to take things next in terms of playoffs. They have been confirmed last week, so this is the first time on the podcast that we have an opportunity to talk about it. But as you mentioned, it's the top two teams in total in the league. So it could be two Southwest teams. It could be two Northeast teams. Whoever has the best overall record, Bowie has been really good. Really, the the top few teams in uh, in the Southwest have been solid with Bowie and Erie kind of taking the reins. Somerset almost running away with things a little bit after beating up on uh, Portland two weeks ago. 
But this is a huge series, and to not have your two top offensive uh, prospects for two games of the series, for a third of the series, is is very important. You think if Somerset can take two, maybe three during the week and then have a really good opportunity Saturday and Sunday, uh, could work out very well for Somerset. Yeah, look, I mean, we don't know which games these guys will play and which guys, which games in which these guys won't play. We assume that they'll be here at least for the start of the week. I mean, that would certainly make sense. Uh, but, you know, looking at the standings, Bowie's in first place in the Southwest Division. Uh, technically, they're tied. Uh, Bowie's slightly ahead in winning percentage, but Erie no games back of the Bay Sox. Erie's played a couple of more games. The Akron Rubber Ducks, who we haven't seen yet, are uh, nipping on their heels. They're just a half game behind both Bowie and Erie. And this is the start of a stretch now. I mean, really, this is the last, quote-unquote, series of the first half of the season because Mm -hmm. after this series concludes, we're at the halfway point. We're 60 games in. Uh, But you finish off this series against Erie. uh, Very important to at least, if you're the Patriots, you got to at least take four of six. And that's not an easy task at all because this is a very talented, eerie club. But you got to try to take at least four of six to even up the season series. You still have two series against Bowie that you have to play. So 12 games against Bowie. You have 12 games you still need to play against Akron. You have 12 games you still need to play against Altoona. This schedule is not light in the second half of the season. And, you know, we've talked about it so many times so far, Brandon, about like, oh, this series is going to be like an opportunity to really see what the Patriots mm-hmm. have to offer. And we kind of brought that up in that three-week stretch between Erie, um, Richmond at home, and Portland on the road. And overall, the Patriots performed quite well. They dropped two of four against Erie, but then five of six against Richmond, four of six against Portland. But now they come back home and this, I think this is the series of the summer so far for both of these squads. It's two of the best records in the AA Northeast League. All eyes are going to be on this series. And uh, we're going to be leaving Sunday having a very good idea of what this Patriots team can offer for the rest of the season. Absolutely. I want to key in on Wednesday's matchup. Jansen Junk is uh, the probable for Somerset. It's the first time in two weeks that uh, we have him listed as a probable starter. Now, against Portland, because there were a doubleheader and some schedule changes, he ended up making a start. But this past week, he was working out of a relief role. Uh, And so for Junk, who has been arguably one of the best pitchers in all of minor league baseball, if not the best, especially looking at that uh, one ERA, the best among all qualified pitchers. It's kind of great to see him back on the bump. I know we've been kind of waiting for it and hoping to see him get back into that starting role. Yeah, it certainly is. And in the one start that he had against the Erie Seawolves back in early June, that was one of his best starts of the season. It was on the last game of that series against Erie. It was a getaway day where the Patriots had dropped four of the first five games of that series. Junk went on the mound, six scoreless innings, three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. At the time, uh, it was a season high, six innings of work over 84 pitches. And he has been even more efficient with his pitch count his last couple of times out. His last start against Portland, he threw, I think it was 79 pitches over seven innings and has continued to just excel. So not only has Junk proven himself over the course of the entire season, but he has proven himself against Erie. Now, granted, that start that he made against the Seawolves did not have Dylan Dingler in the lineup. It did not have Spencer Torkelson in the lineup. But still, most of the same guys are there. It still had John Lester, uh, Josh Lester, rather. Um, still had Andre Lipsius, Ryan Kreidler, and Riley Green were still in those lineups, and uh, and Junk performed well. So it's going to be nice to see him back 
in the starting rotation. He had the three shutout innings of relief in the last series against Harrisburg, and he's going to be a very important piece for this team moving forward. Wrapping things up on this uh, upcoming series, the Patriots hosting the Erie Seawolves. The biggest bat that I'm looking at, Mark, is Dermis Garcia. He's been in a big slide, one for 21 this past week with the home run, 13 Ks there. He has really fallen off, and uh, the struggles have been big. And we know that when his bat is on, he can be an integral part and really maybe an anchor to this Patriots offense offense, but right now it's not there. No, it's not. And it's frustrating because, I mean, we see the potential with Garcia. We see the pop. I mean, he had two home runs against Portland that both went over 450 feet. Uh, The home run that he hit for his lone hit in this Harrisburg series went over 460 feet. So it's just from a purely potential standpoint. I mean, the power is there, but 88 strikeouts on the season now for Garcia, over 172 at-bats. That is, uh, that's more than half of his at-bats he has struck out, which is not certainly what you're looking for. And it's still to the point for Garcia where, I mean, pitchers could snap off like a slider, like a righty will snap off a slider breaking away from him. And he has a long swing, and he just hasn't been able to, to barrel up that pitch. He'll run into a fastball every once in a while, but there's a number of times where he's still guessing at the plate, and he'll look at a fastball that is pretty much right there for a called third strike. And I know that the Yankees, Joe Migliaccio, the Patriots hitting coach, they work on swing decision. And for Garcia, it hasn't quite clicked just yet because he's swinging at some pitches that he probably shouldn't, and he's taking some pitches that he should probably swing at. So, you know, He'll still be in the middle of this Patriots lineup. He's played in the most games for any Patriot position player so far this season. He's going to get every opportunity he can. He's going to have those times where he runs into one with power, uh, but still looking for more consistency out of a guy that has as much power as anybody that we've seen so far in this league. And we've seen from him when that flip switches... It's switched on, and for a good deal of time, he got really hot against the Hartford Yard Goats a few weeks ago and kind of carried that for a two or two-and-a-half-week-or-so stretch and really was red-hot for Somerset. So we look forward to hopefully seeing that out of Dermis Garcia this week. It'll be a really good series for Somerset. They host the Erie Seawolves. First pitch uh, is uh, tonight at 7.05. That's Tuesday night, Tuesday through Saturday, or 7.05. First pitch is Sunday is a 1.05 start. Some fireworks at the ballpark Tuesday night, Friday, and Saturday as well. Plenty of tickets to be had, so you can find them at Somerset Patriots. Dot com, But uh, all told, it should be a really exciting series with some big-time prospects in TD Bank Ballpark. But that's not it for the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. We're talking the Futures game next. We'll also check in with the rest of the Yankees minor league affiliates all coming up on the Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. The Patriots in Pinstripes podcast is brought to you by TD Bank. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, we've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. Green Knoll Golf Course, located in Bridgewater Township and less than five minutes from Route 22, is the original Somerset County Park Commission course. Since 1960, golfers have enjoyed the rolling layout with slight elevation changes throughout the course. 
Greendale Golf Course also features a nine-hole pitch and putt course with holes ranging from 40 to 100 yards. Call 908-722-1301 or visit greennolgolf.com to book a tee time today. Well, Mark, in our last segment, we talked a bit about uh, some of the starting pitchers that we expect to see this week. One name that is missing from that bunch is Luis Medina, and that's because he was one of two players in the Yankees organization joining Jason Dominguez uh, that were selected to play in the All-Star Futures game. That's on uh, Sunday, July 11th, so a couple days from today. It'll be a 3 o'clock Eastern start. You can catch it on MLB Network, and that's all a part of the Major League Baseball all-Star festivities. So it's being played in Colorado at Coors Field. It will feature the top stars in uh, all of the minors. Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson from Erie will be there. The AA uh, Northeast League is uh, really represented. Elliot Ramos will be there as well, uh, in addition to some other really big names in the game. But so exciting for us to see uh, Medina getting the nod. Yeah, it's... uh it's going to be really cool. It's just, it's, you know, we know about the stuff that Luis Medina has. And I mean, look, he joins Jason Dominguez, who's going to be playing in the game. Um, Dominguez, I believe, is what the first player that was not on a full season That's minor right. league roster uh, to play in the Futures game. So most Yankee eyes are going to be on Dominguez. And mm-hmm. like, Deservedly so. The guy's the number one prospect in the Yankees organization. But don't sleep on Medina because Medina's going to have an opportunity to get out on the mound. He's going to go up against some of the top prospect bats in all of baseball. I mean, another couple of names in the AA Northeast League, Adley Rutschman and... um, Bryson uh, Stott Bryson, will be there. Yep, Austin Martin also from yep. the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and that's just those are just names that we know of in our league. I mean, there's a number of other top prospects. Those two big outfielders in the Seattle Mariners organization, including Julio Rodriguez, mm-hmm. uh, will be in the game as well. Bobby Witt, Bobby Witt Jr., a big name. I mean, we could rattle them all off. It's going to be thrilling. So for Medina, it's an opportunity to show off where he ranks and positions himself among some of the top overall prospects in baseball. And when he comes into the game, the broadcasters, everyone will make note that he is a current member of the Somerset Patriots, <laughs> and that will be very cool. Well, so just taking a little bit of a, a deeper dive into how this game works, actually up until 2018, it was a world's team versus uh, a Team USA that was formed among the top prospects. It's kind of a committee that selects the players from uh, Major League Baseball, MLB.com, and Baseball America with all 30 major league teams represented, uh, teams of 25. Now, beginning in 2019, of course, there was no Futures game in 2020, but uh, continuing that on in 2021, it's separated between the American League and uh, and um, the NL will uh, have the other team there as well. So it should be kind of interesting, a lot of fun. We'll certainly see uh, the stars, the future stars of the game. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> it's like a one-stop shop, right? I mean, we talk about all of these prospects and we wonder like when they're going to come through Somerset and where <clears throat> the, the Patriots are going to play against them even on the road. And sometimes you get a couple of top prospects like uh, Cade Cavalli with the Washington Nationals. We got a chance to see him uh, this past week. He's going to be in the Futures game as well. Uh, but 
this is the one-stop shop if you're a minor league baseball fan or you know if you're sort of new to the MILB ranks like a lot of our Patriots fans are. Uh, check out this game because you're going to see some really talented professionals, guys that are going to be up at the major league level scattered within the next couple of years and are going to be really become household names. And this is an opportunity to see them in their younger forms and uh, you know just have some fun on a major league baseball uh, ballpark, on a major league field, on a major on MLB Network. As well, it's going to be it's going to be a good time, and it's going to be really exciting once Medina gets into the game. That is on Sunday at three o'clock Eastern. Start Sunday, July eleventh, from Coors Field. Of course, uh, Patriots fans, as you're catching the tail end of our game, maybe pull up your second monitor to watch <laughs> the start of the Futures game. Mark, it'll be a really exciting week between this Futures game, a great series uh, on tap, at least in the works here against the Erie Seawolves. Six games at TD Bank Ballpark. We'll see fireworks three of the nights but I think the other few nights we'll see plenty of fireworks with uh, the strong arms big bats on both sides I know uh, I'm really looking forward to it it's great to have you back here and we've got baseball tonight at the ballpark how fun is that we do it's uh it's nice to be back home it's been a long two weeks on the road and celebrated the fourth of July on the road and now tonight July 6th we have our independence day fireworks if you will a couple of days belated uh, but we're expecting some big crowds here at TD Bank Ballpark. Top prospects, top talent. Two teams with the top two records in the uh, in the AA Northeast League, so it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, you can uh, check out every game on MILB TV. It'll be on 1450 WCTC as well, or be sure to come on out to the ballpark and get your tickets still at uh, SomersetPatriots.com. Before we go, though, we will leave you with uh, a report from the rest of the Yankees affiliates around the minors. Let's check in with them. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. It was a wet week down in Florida, as it seemingly was throughout the entire East Coast. And the Tampa Tarpons were supposed to play six games with the Jupiter Hammerheads. However, Mother Nature just didn't want that to happen. Both Tuesday and Wednesday's games were postponed due to rain and inclement weather in Tampa. On Thursday, July 1st, tried to play a doubleheader with Jupiter. The first game was a win. 8-1 in favor of Tampa. Game 2, however, was suspended and was picked up on Friday, July 2nd. The resumption of the suspended game also went in the direction of the Tampa Tarpons, a 6-0 victory before they fell in the second game of the quasi-doubleheader 3-1. On Saturday, more rain in the area forced yet another postponement, a doubleheader to be made up today on Sunday. First pitch between Tampa and Jupiter slated for 11 a.m. down at George Steinbrenner Field. Game two to take place about 30 minutes after. Overall, just a two and one week for the Tarpons, who got a big week once again from Anthony Volpe, who went just two for five at the plate, but a grand slam for his 10th home run of this season, and also six walks on the week as well. Jake Sanford had a big week at the plate, hitting 444 with a double, a home run, and five runs batted in for the Tarpons. With this look at the Tampa Tarpons, I'm Joe Vasile. Hi everyone, I'm Rob Adams, and this is Renegades Recap. The Renegades finished off a 10-3 homestand with a loss to Wilmington last Sunday before hitting the road to return to Jersey Shore. Hudson Valley opened the trip with a 4-1 win on Tuesday night as Sean Semple, Matt Minnick, and Elvis Pagaro combined on a three-hitter. Elijah Dunham and James Nelson homer in the win. 
The Gates built up a 6-1 lead on Wednesday, but the Claws came back to send the game into extra innings. A triple off the bat of Brandon Lockridge brought home the go-ahead run in the 10th, and the Renegades held on for an 8-7 win. Rain washed out the first game of July on Thursday, and the teams were supposed to play two on Friday, but wet grounds changed the plans. The teams played one on Friday and moved the doubleheader to Saturday night. On Friday, Jersey Shore blew the game open with a five-run eighth inning, including a three-run shot off the bat of Highland Ortiz to lead the Claws to an 8-2 win. Ortiz homered twice in the game and has hit five of his eight home runs off Hudson Valley pitching this season. The teams each won 2-0 on Saturday. In Game 1, Nate Fosnock homered to help power the Jersey Shore win. In the nightcap, Mitch Spence and Elvis Pagero combined for a three-hit shutout. Ezekiel Duran hit his team-leading eighth home run in the victory. The Renegades finished the week at 33-19, four games up on Aberdeen and High A East North, and second in the league behind Bowling Green. The Brooklyn Cyclones come into Dutchess Stadium for a six-game set beginning on Tuesday night. That's your Renegades recap. I'm Rob Adams. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. It's been a wet week in Worcester. Scranton Wilkesbury taking its first trip to the Boston Red Sox new AAA affiliate, the Worcester Red Sox in Massachusetts. The Paw Sox moved from Pawtucket to Worcester at the end of 2020 and opened up Polar Park this year. Heading into play on Sunday, Two wins, two losses so far, plus plenty of rain in our first trip. The best story of the week actually happened last Sunday, the last time we talked. Scranton Wilkesbury scored 19 times in a win over the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. The Rail Riders had a 10-run third inning. A frame that got started with a Hoy Park homer was followed by a solo home run from Chris Gittens. Pitch to Gittens. He swings and flies this one. High in the air and deep to left center. That is a deep part of the park. Moniak at the track. He leaps and it's gone. Back-to-back home runs for Hoy Park and Chris Gittens. And the Rail Riders take a 3-1 lead. Later in the inning, Iron Pigs manager Gary Jones walked Hoy Park to load the bases and bring Chris Gittens back to the plate again. Pitch, Gittens swings, drives at a deep right field. Really going back. He looks up at the wall. Grand slam, Chris Gittens. A 10-run inning for the Rail Riders. Gittens drove in two more in the sixth inning and added a run batted in in the eighth. Two homers, eight runs batted in for Chris Gittens, one off of matching a franchise record. On Monday, Gittens was honored as AAA East's Player of the Week. Four games in the Iron Pig series, he hit 526. On Friday, Gittens was placed on the seven-day injured list with Achilles tendonitis. And back at PNC Field to open a seven-game, six-day series starting Tuesday and lasting all the way through Sunday. With this look at the Rail Riders, I'm Adam Marco. TD Bank is changing the game with curbside debit card replacement. Whether your debit card was lost in the couch or chewed up by your dog, they've got you covered. Just order a new debit card through the TD Bank app. Then you can walk, bike, or drive up to your nearby TD Bank to score your new card. Now that's the MVP treatment. TD Bank, proud sponsor of the Somerset Patriots. Member FDIC, TD Bank NA. Curbside pickup is only available for personal debit card replacements. In uncertain times, you need someone who has your back. That's why Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey health plans have the benefits you need. Telemedicine, so you can see a doctor anytime, anywhere. 
mental health professionals available 24-7, virtual ID cards and more on your phone. We'll help you find the plan that covers it all because everyone should feel like someone has their back. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is here when you need us most, now and always. Well, it's always great to see uh, the rest of the Yankees minor league affiliates playing strong baseball. They uh, leading the way. The Yankees have the best record in all of their combined minor league affiliates across the minors. So joining the Patriots with plenty of success. That'll do it for this week's Patriots in Pinstripes podcast. Plenty of exciting things on the way. So we hope that uh, you'll stay tuned to the Patriots website, social media as well. Keep you up to date. And we hope to see you here at the ballpark soon. For uh, those listeners on the podcast, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Patriots and Pinstripes podcast. Each episode is aired on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC, and WCTCAM.com with online versions made available on podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Please consider giving us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the show. The Patriots and Pinstripes podcast is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.